Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Joshua Black. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing uh, really good, actually. And one of the reasons is we finally get to have uh, a guest on that we've been searching down for a while. Just hasn't come to. And so this is the first time, actually, we get a chance to talk to her and talk about one of her, I guess, one of her, ah, I don't want to spoil it, but I will. One of her beautiful songs. So yeah, she's a musician <laughs> um, that I've sort of listened to many a times and it brought tears to my eyes. So I'm really excited to, to talk with uh, this individual about their journey. Absolutely. She's a busy woman. Uh, her name is Jessica Lung and she is a Chinese Canadian singer songwriter from Richmond Hill, Ontario. Though a classical flutist, Jessica's greatest passion is singing. Inspired by nature's beauty and life's intimate moments, Jessica shares her personal reflections with a sweet and silvery voice coupled with imagery and conversational lyrics. Influenced by artists like Ingrid Michaelson, Ellie Goulding, Coldplay, and Oh Wonder, Jessica's indie pop sound inspires others to live life in color. Jessica, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Sean and Josh. No problem. So let's get into it. We actually saw you at a Raptors game performing, and let's talk about that. What was that experience like? You sang the national anthem. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I sang at two Raptors games. Um, and it was an incredible opportunity just to be able to perform for so many people and have everyone be so supportive and have them sing along with me. I had a great time. That's amazing. So how do you prepare for that? Because I know like I've done talks before and I've had like maybe 100, 120 people at that. But when you're at a Raptor game, I'm thinking what's that, 20,000, 10,000? I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> a lot of people were there. And so how do you mentally prepare for that without, like, you know, just shutting off? Well, I think growing up, I had just gotten used to performing, whether it be, you know, playing flute or singing or, you know, just normal school performances. Um, I've had a lot, of, a lot of opportunities to be on stage. Um, and so I think that that just has given me a lot of practice over the years. When I'm preparing for the anthem specifically, I would just, you know, practice the anthems, make sure I start on the right notes, and then just envision myself being in front of all these people. And sometimes you just want to focus on giving the songs and the music justice. It's not really about you. You just want to sing the anthems well. And so focusing on that really helped me a lot. Yeah, the crowd is also just super supportive, so it calmed me and made me really happy. Yeah, I mean, it's a song they like, so that's uh, that helps yeah, out. Yeah, I hope. And no, a song they like and no. Did you have any fears about, because in the past, I know, like, if you Google YouTube and you, you Google National Anthem, you know, mess ups, you'll get a, quite a few. So did you ever have any fears that you might miss a, miss a word or this or that? Did you have anything with you? There's always that fear, but you can't let that take over. Otherwise, you're going to make that mistake. Just practicing, you know, as a classical musician, I've learned that practicing and preparing in the right way so that no matter what, I'll be able to make it through. That's what helps me prepare for uh, singing the anthems. Yeah, I also just get used to the keys that I'm singing the anthems in. So I just pray and hope that it'll come out okay. Do you get nervous at all anymore? Like when you do any, like I assume classical music, you're doing concerts, maybe with other people, but or even mm -hmm. performing solo. Are there any 
little bit of butterflies or are you just straight excited? For sure, I get nerves still. Um, but nerves are still are good. That's what helps the performer focus and really, yeah, just be concentrated on that performance. It brings, brings the best performances, I think. Take us through sort of maybe the day before. Were you practicing a lot or is it just something you know and you sort of, you just show up that day? Well, last year I sang for the Raptors 905. And so that's when I really started to practice singing the anthem. I didn't really love how I sang it last year. And so when I started practicing for this year's games, um, I just, yeah, I don't know, I just practiced harder. And the week before, every day I would practice, I would uh, record myself audio-wise or take out my phone and videotape myself to see how I look. I don't want to move around too much. I don't want to be making weird facial expressions as I sing. I want it to look happy and confident. Yeah, so just doing a little bit every day is better than practicing all at once the night before. That's very interesting. And like, I never thought about recording yourself through video because you're right, you're going to be on the Jumbotron and people are going to be watching. Yeah, your yes. Yeah, I just found that as a classical musician, that recording yourself is always the best thing. When you're practicing and hearing yourself in real time, you think you sound better than you probably are. And then when you hear yourself, you go, oh, I sound like that? I sound terrible. Then you find little things to, to improve on. Like we're our biggest critic, right? So we want to make sure that we get all the little things ironed out before the big performance. Absolutely. Um, I think that applies to many other types of performances like dancing. You know, a lot of people need to dance in front of mirrors or record themselves to see how their body's moving or, or even like for the podcast, like, you know, we'll go back and listen to ourselves and be yeah, and kind of assess that and uh, try to fix some of those things that we want to fix. Do you have a certain routine that you go through? Like, so like, as you say, you do still kind of get nervous. Do you have anything that to combat that or any maybe phrase or anything that you do to kind of get you in that zone where you need to be? I think I try to just do what I normally do to prepare myself vocally. Sometimes when you try to prepare too much or do things that are so different, like if you never go to the gym in the morning and then you just do and then you have an hour and a half workout and then you get tired or you eat super healthy and try to do all these different things, it's just not what you're used to and it's just going to freak your body out more. So so I'm what do you do normally? Time. What do you do normally? Like, do you have a spaghetti dinner? Is that normal for you or do you like? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I make, I like to work out, get a good sweat. And then I shower um, so that I feel relaxed. Sometimes going to the sauna nowadays, I like it. It relaxes my muscles. And just eating a good breakfast, a good lunch, drinking lots of water is super important. Um, can't just be right before. It has to be at least 24 hours before. So drinking water is important. Um, and not eating things with dairy in it. That'll give me a lot of mucus. Ah, it's very interesting. Yeah, never would have yeah. thought. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Going back to, so, okay, now you're prepared. Is there, did you go out like on a shopping spree to like get like that perfect outfit or did you just pick something out in your closet? Usually things in my closet. Yeah. I try to think about what look I'm going for. I'm trying to improve my fashion sense, especially for performances, because <laughs> I want to portray myself um, as a certain kind of artist. I want to take my whole image seriously. So I want people to look at me and go, oh, that she's that kind of artist or she's that kind of person just by the clothes that she wears. Of course, it'd be nice to go out and buy stuff. But when I buy things at the last minute, just for a certain, like trying to look for the perfect, 
shirt. It's kind of hard to do that when I'm under stress. So I like going shopping, you know, once in a while. And if I find something of good value or on sale, you know, and it fits well, then I'll go get it then. Nice. And you didn't wear the same thing for both times, right? At the Raptor game? Did you switch it up? Yeah, I did switch it up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's so exciting that you had the chance to do that. Did you get to meet anyone like backstage? Did you go backstage or did you just sit in the stands? Like, yeah, well, I don't know what like backstage as in the locker room because I definitely cannot go into the locker room. The place where the public can't go. (laughs) Um, I basically hung around the the area where the VIPs go, like I, I stayed to watch as well. So I have two seats in like one of the 100 sections. So I just hung out in that area and I saw some of the basketball players warming up. I don't see all of them at one time. Um, I saw Craig, okay, embarrassingly enough, I wasn't the biggest Raptors fan beforehand. I always mm-hmm. liked it, but it's not like I followed them so closely and knew all the players. But Corey Joseph was signing people's shirts and stuff, and so I got a picture with him, not knowing who he was. So embarrassing, but anyways, (laughs) got a picture with him, and then I sent it to some of my friends, and then my friends said, oh my gosh, that's Corey Joseph. He is my favorite basketball player of life. How did you not tell me that you were going to meet him? Um, But after watching that basketball game the first time, I got super into it, and so this Mm -hmm. time around, I went with my friend, because I have a guest ticket as well, um, which is nice. So I got a, we got a picture with Jonas. And do you know who Jonas is? Val Tunis, whatever Val Tunis is. Yes. Yes. And I was really hoping to take a picture with DeMar DeRozan, mm. but he wasn't there. Do you know who Dirk is? Who? Dirk is, Dirk is not on the Raptors, but Dirk he plays Oh, no, Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, you're really on a first-name basis over here. <laughs> Dirk <Yeah>. Nowitzki? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he's an amazing basketball player, right? <laughs> yeah, he set a couple of records in his lifetime. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he's in, like, a Hall of Fame or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he won the championship so a little while ago, right? Uh, oh, against, yeah? Yeah. Against, it was so it Cavs, to... No, Miami. Was it, yeah, it was Miami, yeah. I don't remember, but anyways, we tried to take a picture with him, and all we could get was, like, a hi. We waved at him. He's like, hey, and then he kept moving. Sometimes when you want to get someone's signature photo, you really need to go for it and just ask them. Yeah, I can't believe Dirk was like that, you know? Dirk's so much different sometimes. I think if you're... I was going to say, I think if you're wearing his team's uniform, he probably would have came over. Probably. He also just went to the next young kid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to take a picture with them. But either way, they're amazing players, and it was really nice to just see them up close and watch them warm up and, you know, be ready for the game. Nice. Well, it sounds like an amazing time, and you met the Raptor, I'm guessing. I did. Yeah, I took a picture with them. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why we all go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been to a couple, and I love the Raptor game. I follow the team because I'm a big basketball fan. And yeah, they're doing and have their ups and downs this season, right? But uh, playoffs are coming and, you know, I I wish them all the best to sort of at least make it past the first round and hopefully face the Cavs. Maybe depends where they are. Could be second round or in the the semifinals. So I'm guessing you're going to be cheering for them too. So that's great. I'm glad they made a fan out of you. I will for sure. Yeah, they're doing better, I think. They're winning more and more games now. Well, Kyle Lowry's out right now, so I think because of that, um, they had some difficulties trying to figure out the, I guess, how to play without him. He's sort of like. They seem to be doing okay. 
Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> this was a good rafter talk, and let's uh, let's get back. Yeah, let's uh, let's get back to knowing about you and your journey. And how did you even get to singing? Because this is sort of, I think, a monumental, I think, period in your life to be able to sing, to be able to have so many people um, around you listen to you, singing with you. It's, you know, for me, I look at that, I'm like, wow, like you, you reach sort of like a pinnacle and sort of that goal of trying to, trying to sort of be that entertainer that I think a lot of people wish for. So how do you even get there? Like as a child, were you like, were your, did your family have a lot of sort of, musical talent and they sort of just almost forced it on you or did you find it on your own? Well, growing up, my parents just wanted to expose me to different things to see what I would like. I obviously really enjoyed doing things in the arts. I grew up doing a piano and uh, dance and like a bit of art, stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it and just kept going. I've always loved singing. You know, when you sing in the shower, you just sing outside, out and about. But I think having my musical training really allowed me to grow and learn more as a musician. Um, I started playing the flute in grade four. I went to an arts elementary school in Thornhill. It's called St. Michael Catholic Academy, if you're interested. And yeah, and that's where I really started to grow. I did musical theater. So, you know, Dorothy and the Wiz or like Mary Poppins and stuff like that. I had such a great time learning at that school, Um, flute singing and art and dance. Yeah, so I just kept learning and didn't want to stop. Yeah, and that's what brought me into high school. I kept doing it. I did started doing talent shows with some of my friends. So I started singing more popular music on top of Broadway, like Broadway. Um, and I just kept doing more and more. I never really wrote my own songs, actually. I never thought I wanted to be a singer. I loved it. But I was, you know, thinking about just being a music teacher or... Obviously, I wanted to be a doctor at one point, too. <laughs> but, yeah, I just decided to go into music in university. And I took a songwriting course in my fourth year. I wasn't really qualified to be in the course, but, you know, I just snuck my way in. And I, that's where I started, like, writing a little more and more. And I got a lot of support from the people in my class and my mentors. And that's kind of what got me to meet the producer I worked with for this song, Thank You, I Love You, is actually a classical composer. His name is Aaron Fang. Classical composer, writes for video games, is like such an amazing mentor and musician and composer. And he kept saying, like, Jess, you should really write more. We should, let's try things out. We did a cover just for fun, and we did a jazzy version of Toxic by Britney Spears. And that's really what started my like, friendship and relationship with him like professional relationship with him. Um, and he still continues to be a mentor to me today. The first time I wrote my song was in 2014. I was coming back. I know I'm blabbing now, but I came back. I was coming back from Hong Kong on a plane ride, and I just decided to write a song about love. And, and I sang it at my cousin's wedding the following week. And so with my family's support, and then with support at the faculty of music where I went to school, um, that really gave me the confidence to just write more and sing more. And it doesn't really matter how how much my how much um, this I have a career I have a career in singing. Um, it is my passion. So I like expressing myself through song. I find it really exciting to be able to write my own music and take 
my thoughts and my own vision in my head and bringing them to life and getting really, getting people to feel emotion. It doesn't happen for every song, but, you know, with this song, Thank You, I Love You, it really came out quite naturally and has pleasantly, you know, it's pleasantly surprising that people have really been touched by the song and really relate to it. So I'm happy that I'm at this point. Yeah, I, I said, like, uh, I want to talk about that song probably just in a little bit. I still want to get some more things on your music because I know when we touch on that song, we're going to sort of probably go into loss. So okay. as, um, as as someone, like, moving up, what are your goals for yourself as you move forward? Like, are you hoping to have an album coming out? Yeah, so my plan right now is to create demo tracks to show to people and see if um, they'd want to work with me and help me produce some kind of EP, so a few tracks, and so that I can hopefully show it to different people in the community um, and see if people would like to support me on, you know, with my music. That's what I'm doing right now. I'd like to put out more content. I really don't have much stuff of my own online, but either way, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and just put out content for covers, and that'll give me the chance to practice my basic production skills and, you know, practice my singing and see and have the opportunity to interact with, like, listeners and see if they like my music and, like, do they like my singing. It'll help me, like, guide me as I try to write my own produced tracks. Yeah, because you have the Thank You, I Love You, and you have the new song, Ride, which uh, I found you from the CBC Searchlight competition, which you sort of put in for. Is it last year, I think? Yeah, it was last year that you put that out. And so you have two yeah. songs already. And so how many do you need for an EP? I like three or four or five. I actually do have a lot of songs written. <laughs> it's, just, it's just hard to produce them all in the way that I want them to be produced like for a ride it was an acoustic live performance right i did it acoustic on purpose because i didn't have a produced version of it it's not really meant to be just on piano and cajon i don't know what kind of vibe like what kind of style you hear the song being produced in do you have any ideas and suggestions no (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of a more like light flowing electro type sound. I want it to be a little bit more produced for sure. Because this is funny because Sean, he has a thing for for music and for sound. And so when he like, he'll hear like when he does a podcast, like, oh, I'm like, oh, that went great. He's like, oh, there's like these noise things that were in there. I'm like, really? And sort of same thing here. Like I listened to your song, even listened to Ride, that song. Like, man, that's amazing. And you're saying, oh, I don't know. You know, it was acoustic. (laughs) I'm like, like, really? Like, I, you know, like now that you say it, like I still don't, like I can't even envision it just because I think my ear is a little different than I think people who are in the game who really fine tune sound and look at sound as an art which is i think is a little different from me um i look at more like research more as an art uh something like that what do you think sean yeah i haven't heard the song uh ride but yeah i, I kind of i feel what jessica's saying because you know y- you kind of build around it so you have the song you have um you have your lyrics you have kind of what the basic melody is and you know do you bring in drums do you bring in electric guitar do you bring in 
do you want more of a down tempo kind of maybe house thing or do you want like more like a folksy kind of acoustic thing so yeah that's that sounds i'll have to listen to it and i'll give you maybe my opinion humble opinion about that yeah sure thanks and like i the other thing is i couldn't find your videos are they do you sell videos or it's just the because i know you made videos but i can't oh for thank you i love you Mm -hmm. um yeah well i only posted it it was only posted through the CBC thing. So after that competition was done, they took it off. So can't, are you going to post it back up on your own feed? Yeah, I think I will on the YouTube channel. Well, that's good. Yeah, like yeah. that's there's the, the video is beautiful too, right? So it's something about not just like listening to it. When you see the imagery, it's, it's, it gives it a different sort of flair. And the same thing with Ride. Um, so yeah, I, I look forward to seeing those online. And then I can yeah. actually share them too, right? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I will. Since that EP seems like it's going to be a while before I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was able to get a grant from Factor Funding. It's an organization that provides funding for a lot of artists on their projects. And so I'm working on that um, before the deadline, which is, you know, at the end of the summer. So I will definitely have it done before then, I think. That's pretty cool. I, I like your plan. I like your plan to kind of, you know, start your YouTube channel, start putting on some covers, you know, generating those audience, uh, those listenerships and, you know, getting a little feedback because in the end it's, it's, it's the listener. So if, if, if people have some, you know, and again, you'll get support, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to love that stuff. And, and, and I think that's the good, uh, that's the right route to take. And again, it won't cost you too, too much, you know, a little bit of equipment here and there, but I think uh, it's a good game plan. And you seem like you, you have enough experience now and intelligence in terms of what you need to do, what type of songs, how to produce it and, you know, making videos and editing that, that will in just enhance uh, your skills even further to when you do put together an EP, it's going to be solid. So, you know, it's, it's a good uh, game plan moving forward. Mm-hmm. I really need to keep learning and and improving my skills for sure, because um, I don't feel too too capable right now. I was never amazing at technology, and so all this production software can get a little bit overwhelming. But I will. I don't mind learning slowly and kind of yeah, being a little bit slower with my progress, so that later when I do show my own music, that it's at the best quality I, it can be at that time. I don't want to make it so premature that any song I put out won't really go anywhere because it's not really done in the right way or not done in the way that I want it to be produced. Yeah. Well, like, see, I don't know much about the technology stuff side of it. That's why Sean's here on the podcast <laughs> and he's my friend, but he also knows this side of it. And I think too, yeah, like technology is very difficult, right? Cause there's so many aspects of it to get it, to get everything just right. Um, and so I'm just I'm so grateful that Sean's here because he does all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't know where to begin. I probably wouldn't have started. Like, I wouldn't have probably did a podcast if it wasn't for him and his ear and and all that sort of stuff. So I'm guessing there's got to be someone around you that can help you a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. So Sean, are you a musician as well? Or are you really into technology and like, <laughs> recording? Well, it um, so I've been I've been very interested in music earlier on. Um, I played I. I first started playing the guitar for five years i took lessons and uh so musical theory and all this type of stuff you know you kind of figure out whether you're kind of musically inclined or not you know can you keep a beat you know a lot of people can't do that it's very <laughs> basic but you know i found out I, I was really interested in it so i and then i got into making my own music i, I made a lot of r&b hip-hop type of beats 
uh, instrumentals. And I did that for maybe five, six years. Um, And that kind of, you know, at that time, I didn't really know where to go with it. So I kind of dropped that, you know, life moves on, you have a career. And then uh, now kind of, that's why I really enjoy doing the podcast, because it kind of fulfills that part of me, that artistic, creative side, where I can Mm -hmm. do something that I love doing, enjoy doing, and, you know, grow from it. Like when we first started the podcast, you know, I, 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 I resonate with what you're saying so much because, you know, I'm so self-critical. You almost have to be because, yeah, yeah, right. You have to like your piece. It's something you're creating and you want to improve on it. So with each podcast that we did, we, we did find that we were getting better and better and better to now where, you know, we're a lot more comfortable and, but it never stops. Like I'm always trying to improve things. And I think that's a key thing that, you know, it's good to have that. It's good to have that kind of, always striving to improve but at the same time i also have to not be so critical and look back and and be uh, thankful for having um that type of growth so do you feel that way with your music right like you're always type of you're looking at it you're analyzing it well that's what you need to be like that's what you need to do when you're being creative you can't just leave something the way it's going to be and you feel like oh that's fine it's going to lack a lot of detail and it could you know maybe you're not creating it to its potential yeah and you're competing you're competing with a lot of different people like i'm you know we're competing with other podcasts you know you're competing with other musicians and you know just to have that polished sound and again you're also proud of it after that after you've put in those hard work and you know after being critical and then fixing those things then you can stand back and be proud of your work and say you know yeah that's that's what what i did and i put everything into it yeah exactly totally right sean so what uh, advice would you give someone who wants to follow in a similar path? Like, so like maybe someone who's currently in high school, who's kind of listening to this and thinking, you know, I, I like, I love music. I love to be here, but I don't know how to get like, like you had some sounds like pretty amazing mentors um, during your journey. So what advice would you give someone else? I feel like I'm not the person to give advice because I'm still new to this as well, but I got some advice from someone else two weeks ago, and I think it's great. She said, no matter what, you can't let other people tell you that you can't do it. And so even if people are super critical and really not on your side, you just need to keep doing it because you love it and you're passionate about it and it makes you happy. In this industry, I found, you know, it's very subjective music, right? So some people might really like it. Some people might not really care. And some people might hate it and be very critical. You take it all, for, for sure, you can listen to them, but also take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I definitely am at the beginning of my journey, but the thing that keeps me going is the fact that I like it and I want to keep growing. Yes, it's very overwhelming because I feel like it's so hard to make a career out of singing in any kind of way. but. If you keep working at it, you're going to beat the people who stop and give up. And if you're smart about it and you just keep reading up as much as you can, making good connections, or just performing more, the more you perform, the better it'll be. Like, the better you'll, you'll be as a performer and an artist. Yeah, just keep writing, keep singing, keep experimenting, because then you'll have a better idea of the sound that you want for yourself. Yeah, just don't get discouraged. I think that's great advice. I think uh, that's that's really good advice for someone listening. 
You know, at, in our journey in the beginning, there was times when our schedules didn't match up and, you know, we, we didn't put in, we didn't create anything for a few months and it did feel like, wow, I wonder where this is going. But once we kind of got over those humps, once we, we got more into a rhythm, you know, it, things changed. And again, you improve with each one that you do, each podcast, each song, whatever it is that you're doing, you get better. And there's always, you know, like you said, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like it. It's subjective, like you said. So some people might, some people might not. That's okay. As long as you feel like you're growing, you're developing, and you're kind of, again, creating. Like, you know, it's a great opportunity to be able to create something and to share it with the world uh, in the end. So, yeah, that's some amazing advice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So let's now talk. Let's go back to the topic of my favorite song. <laughs> so the thank you, I love you. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. So why did you even write that? Was that the song you, you chose to write about on love? No. The other one, it's called Someday, and it was just about like love in a relationship. Like where will I find love maybe someday? Mm. That kind of thing. It's very innocent and lovey-dovey. <laughs> But for Thank You, I Love You, when did I write it? I think it was in October of 2015, I think. Yeah, October of 2015. And in August, my grandmother was like talking about pain in her back that wasn't going away. And so that started, you know, a bunch of tests. And then like a month later, we found out that it was cancer, I think in her in her lungs something like that and either way it was cancer and it was stage four already so it was quite late in the game and this was before she passed away I was in the car or no we went into her condo just to like talk with the rest of the family and hanging out and I was just by myself and I had a notebook I had already started writing songs at that point and I just thought of an melody like right away so I just kind of hummed something and shortly after kind of added some words to the short melody that I thought of and it really spoke to me and then I really wrote the song quite quickly probably started and finished within a week and work on it continuously but I remember you know being in my mom's car when we were driving to the subway station she was going to drop me off somewhere and I like finished writing more songs it flowed quite nicely probably because I was you know really thinking about my grandmother a lot and she was just on my mind and with some stress in our family and you know not feeling our greatest because we're worried for our grandmother it just maybe the lyrics flowed a little bit more easily and the melody for me yeah so I wrote it we, I recorded it with my mentor, Aaron, really quickly, probably in two days, because I wanted to record it before, before things got worse with my grandmother. So the recording you hear um, has me singing. It, we didn't really record it in small sections. I basically sang a lot of it through, which I like because it made things sound a little bit more raw, and you can kind of hear you know, me being more musical and being more expressive as we, like, went further, go further and further into the song. Yeah, I recorded it, brought it to my grandma when she was in the hospital, and 
my I sent it to my family, and then she listened to it quite a few times. She didn't really know she didn't really know English too much, but my mom just told her that I wrote a song for her about me, you know, really caring for her and loving her a lot, and telling her that I'll miss her. And so my mom and my aunt took care of her a lot before she passed away, and yeah, my mom would play it for her all the time, and the nurses would would always go, oh, like, what is that song? That's so nice. So it was nice that they liked it and they found it soothing. And my mom thought that my grandma found it soothing as well. Yeah, it's actually not all about my grandmother's well. In the second verse, I sing, you're still and quiet while you lay, but I know you hear me crying. And it it's in reference to my grandpa who passed away six years ago my grandma's husband, he passed away very suddenly. He had pneumonia, and then he fell in the morning when he woke up, and then he was just in the ICU. Actually, he had multiple organ failure. And so, and then he also had cardiac arrest. And so when I visited him, that's why he was still in quiet, because he probably, well, we believe that he could still hear us, but he had cardiac arrest for like almost 20, 25 minutes. So we weren't really sure if he was really coherent anymore. Um, So that's why he was still in quiet. And I still remember that moment very vividly, just visiting him and having me cry and talking to him, but he's not moving at all. So I really wanted to talk about him too in verse two of the song. I'm not really sure what I'm talking about anymore. (laughs) It's good. No, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really happy that I recorded it quickly and it was just very raw yeah and I think that's why so many people may have related to it because I sang it you know in a in a raw way and I I don't know I guess people just found it relatable yeah I think yeah. when you anytime I think you make something from the heart it hits people in the heart but when you make something just because you want to make it for money or glory or whatever, it doesn't really connect with the audience as much. So I think the way you wrote it was in such like a heart space where I, when I, when I listen to it, I think about my father that passed away. And so that's what it connects me with and the memories I had with him and how much I do miss him. And, but also how grateful I am for some of the stuff he's done for me in my life and so that's what like when i listen to the song that's what it sort of it invokes in me and it's not like you intended for that it's just you're writing it for your your grandma and grandpa right like it was those memories that you had but it connected you wrote it in such a way that it connects to my heart and i think that's why i love it so much mm-hmm. i didn't want to make it a really sad song kind of like a breakup song it's you know i wrote it in a major key and it kind of sounds happy but also you know it in a way that that shows how much I miss her. But it's like a little thank you to thank her for all the things she's done for me, thanking her for her love and making her making her understand that I'm going to miss her a lot. Yeah, because some people, when they write songs about grief, they sort of really go to like the dark parts where they say, I can't live without you and stuff like that. But you took a different, a more gratitude approach to it to say, you know, like, I miss you, but, you know, thank you for the stuff. So you're really putting on that, that positive sort of those memories that she gave you and, and what she's done for the family. They both have done for the family as a whole. And so I think, yeah, it really, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I'm always going to sort of promote that as I move forward, because I think anyone who suffered a loss, uh, that's a great song to listen to, to remember your loved one. 
in a hopeful way. Yeah, for sure. And so that's interesting because I didn't know all the all those details. So that's really kind of interesting how it combines two parts of your life. So what was your relationship like with your grandparents? Well, I grew up with them, and I used to always have family dinners with them. They moved to Toronto maybe a year or two before I was born, so they really watched me grow. Um, they were such a happy couple. They did everything together. They would go to church. Friends always meet up with like friends during the week. They had a really social life, and people, I don't well, the literal translation is, like, pe- people in the community called them in Chinese, like, like, called them something, I'm not making sense, called them something <laughs> in Chinese, and, but the translation in English means, like, happy, um, like, happy man, happy wife, like, they're just, like, a really happy couple, and really brought a lot of life and joy into my family as well, so with them leaving, it really, we really missed their presence a lot. So they're a very important part of my life. So many good memories with them that I still remember vividly. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to miss, I, I definitely miss them. Mm, so what was some of those moments? Did they have like, were they good cooks? Did they like, just like listen to you and, or did you guys play tea together? Like what are some of those moments when you're a kid? Yeah, well, my grandpa used to drive me to Burger King. Yeah, did you wear the crown? (laughs) I don't remember that, but we used to eat fish fillets. Like him and my grandma used to love fish fillets, fish whatever it's called. Um, So you eat that. They used to pick me up from school sometimes if my mom can pick me up and my dad can pick me up. My grandma made a lot of amazing Shanghainese food because they're Shanghainese. And yeah, they would. She would make these amazing dessert dumplings. I don't know if you've heard of Taoyuan. It's like white glutinous stuff on the outside, and on the inside is black sesame paste almost. Oh yeah, I think I've had one of those. They're delicious. Like not kind of like taro, but not really. They're chewy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember she would make them. Yeah, she make them homemade, and she used to make a salad that my aunt and my mom know how to make too. Yeah, they were just always there for me, watched my dance performances, music performances. I got my grandpa this big Winnie the Pooh the, um, stuffed animal one time. <laughs> for fun, throw it around. <laughs> we didn't treat it very well, but we would just like throw it around and play catch with each other. I don't know. That's yeah, we cool. would go for walks. Yeah, just, I'm just glad that they were a big part of my life growing up. And so I know you mentioned that they really couldn't understand your, your, your grandmother anyways, couldn't understand your English lyrics. So did, can you speak another language? Well, I speak Cantonese. Mm, okay. She, yeah, she speaks Cantonese as well. But it's funny when she was getting older and closer to her passing, she kind of reverted back to Shanghainese and so when I try to talk to her and I didn't really understand her <laughs> that's interesting wow that's so interesting it's yeah. an interesting bond with uh you know immigrant grandparents you know because you know I was born in Canada but my grandparents were born in India and even though you know I do understand some Hindi and Punjabi I don't it's sometimes it was difficult sometimes to speak and you know build those bonds those ways but there are obviously other ways that you can build a bond and you know cherish each other and you know i just remember i just as you were saying that i remember a memory my grandmother's still alive but like i remember 
her making uh like noodles like fresh so we had those yeah we had this noodle maker and her and my mom i don't know why they chose to do it in the backyard so they were like (laughs) so in like my backyard thank god it was fenced up but like they had all this noodle drying and i just remember them doing that but like it was something that my grandmother wanted to do to make like some dessert that she liked but like yeah it's it's those little things that you kind of remember and you cherish those little memories Uh, there was my grandfather's passed away but i remember when he first came to canada there was this song on the radio i don't know the name but it was like something so silly it was like wiggle it just a little bit and he started singing it like trying to make us laugh and we found it hilarious because like he his english was good but it wasn't you know it wasn't like pop lyric good like you know like he just had yeah. good english but yeah i mean you know and those are the things that you'll carry with you in the future and like you know you build stories around those and i think that's the important part about remembering them yeah exactly and so writing the song and then after they passed away or your, your grandmother passed away what was that what was it like then after that like what did the song have more meaning to you like did it help you through the grieving process a bit actually when i when i write songs that's the process of writing it really helps me deal with certain things i'm going through whether it be like breakup or problems or you know my grandma's passing i think writing it really helped me come to terms with it all then listening to it afterwards yeah, so the creative process really allows me to get it all out. Um, but then afterwards, I performed it at my grandma's funeral, and I posted it. I don't remember when I posted it online, but I think it helped my friends and family a lot more than it helped me hmm. after I wrote it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because, yeah, people grieve in different ways, and yours is about writing and, and that aspect of it. And mourning her yeah. passing prior to her passing, I guess the best way to put it. Yeah, I feel like if I really need to write a certain song or I continue like, talking about the same topic, then I, during the writing process, I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound good. Oh, this doesn't sound good. And then the more and more I think about lyrics and the melody, that's when I get down to the like a reason why I'm feeling a certain way. And then... Sometimes I have a realization and then I'm overwhelmed with emotion and I cry as I'm brainstorming and like playing on the piano and singing and making stuff up. And I cried and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what this song has to be about. And so I kind of went through all of that, went through all my emotions when I wrote this song. Um, so I got it all out. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So this is the part of the podcast. We're getting time to the time limits that we have. That we've set. Oh. So, so let's move to any dreams. So, have you ever dreamt of any of your grandparents? I may have. I don't remember them, but <laughs> I think I have in the past where you know they just come up um, and are present in certain parts. Mm. But not just yet. I don't have too too many dreams nowadays. So you just don't remember a lot of your dreams. But yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people that have had some of these dreams. And it's really not profound or very vivid. It's usually not one-on-one. They're maybe in the background. They can forget those pretty easily. I know like a couple with my father, um, the ones that aren't just me and him, I forget those ones. And so it's probably something that you're talking about there. They're just sort of like a character in the, in the dream. 
Mm-hmm. But if I can just say something quick, even if I don't dream about them, I'm Catholic, and so when I go to church, I always, during, like, the prayer time, individual prayer time, I, like, say hi to the people in my life who have passed away. So I kind of have a little conversation. I, I, at least I used to. Um, maybe not as much now, but I always acknowledge, like, my grandpa and my grandma, my, my uncle, um, my other grandpa, and that's my way of, like, really connecting with them. So maybe not in dreams, mm-hmm. but I try to reach out to them at night. Okay. Oh, that's nice. That's that's yeah. very nice. Of you. Yeah. And so I had so many questions, but the time's running out. So the the um the next thing, the next question we like to ask is, what dream would you like to have if you could remember one tonight? Would you have all your grandparents, or are you just one of them? It could be, um, it could be a bunch of dreams right after one another with my grandparents. And we don't even have to do the same things that we used to do when they were alive. Like, we could go on an adventure and just try something different and see them in different situations. I remember dreaming of my mom one time as a ninja. That was cool. So, you know, having them come to life again in a different setting, doing different I, things with me would be like awesome. That. Yeah, so so what kind of adventure do you want to be on? Do you want to be in space? Um, you know, passengers. That movie just came out. You could be on one of those things. You could be, I guess, in Jurassic Park. And <laughs> uh, so, what setting would you like to be that in? I don't know. Maybe it's just something more simple, like traveling and trying, you know, checking out new cities together and getting lost and like getting chased by people. And then, you know, then I can get more interesting there. So basically, the movie Road Trip, but with your grandparents as the main two characters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. What kind of car are you guys driving? Um, maybe just a minivan so I can put a bunch of stuff in it. <laughs> All right, so we got a minivan. Um, what direction? Know. East, west, north? Are we got? You know what? Let's. Uh, how about a cross country? <laughs> Let's go to Vancouver. <laughs> exactly. That'd be maybe California. Or Europe. I I just recently <laughs> saw some pictures of my grandparents in. Germany, they used to go on so many trips. And I saw the one um, right in front of the Brandenburg Gate, and I had just gone there two summers ago, and I took a picture there, too, and I was like, wow, we were there at the same place. Obviously, at different times, but... Nice. Well, that's that's very interesting. I like that dream, and uh, I like how you're on a cross-country journey in all parts of the world. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. I like that. And what age would you want them to be? Would you want them to be when they're 30, or would you want them to be... The sort of when they passed. Ooh, I would like them when they're young. I didn't think about that. It'd be cool to see the kind of people they were when they were young. Mm. They're hard workers, and they like live through the the world war, and like so many things have happened. But you know, it'd be kind of cool to see what they're like um, as young adults. Cool. I like that. Actually, I've never thought that myself but that'd be kind of cool too but um because like yeah you're almost like hanging out with them as if they're like they're friends because they're your age right yeah in the dream that's really interesting i like that <laughs> like that road trip you know maybe passing through these interesting european countries maybe start in italy work your way to germany you know you're in your minivan um you're listening to maybe i don't know what type of music you guys are listening to are you guys just uh cracking jokes and looking around I have no idea. 
That's your imagination. Listening to your new EP as you drive. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Sharing that with your grandparents on your road trip. You know, yeah, that sounds be- like a great trip. I really hope you have that dream tonight. Mm, that's nice. So I can listen to that EP sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, it's a real, I guess, pleasure for me uh, to, I guess, just talk to you finally and hear more about the song because it's touched my heart and to get a little more insight about how it touched yours and why you wrote it. It's, you know, I'm a true fan. So thank you for coming on here and I wish you all the best as you make your EP. Please keep us informed when you do. We'll have you back on to talk about that journey in itself. So can you tell the listeners where they can sort of find your music or do you have like a website or anything like that? I do have a website. It's not launched yet, but I will let you know and hopefully you can share it. But I have a Facebook and it's Jessica Lung Music. I have Instagram and you can find me through Just Lung Music. I think I'm most active on Instagram at the moment, but when I start with my YouTube channel and when I will, you know, put up my website soon, then hopefully it'll be a more accessible way for you to um, know what's going on with my music journey. Yeah. Excellent. So the, yeah. And if people want to know, Instagram is uh, just lung music and lung is spelled L E U N G. Is that correct? Yeah. Perfect. So people can search for that and they can check you out. Yeah. I also have a SoundCloud. I forgot to mention. So SoundCloud dot com you know slash just lung music same pronunciation uh, same spelling as well awesome so you can hear your stuff there as well soundcloud yeah thank you i love you is on there excellent thank you so much jessica it's been a real pleasure speaking with you um thank you so much for having me i really appreciate you being persistent and being so um like welcoming on this podcast i had a really great time with you and sean with sean and josh <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah we, we gotta have you on again uh for sure um so for everyone else please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic if you have facebook you can join the grief dreams facebook group check us out on instagram and twitter at grief dreams uh, this podcast can be found on itunes podbean stitcher overcast and many other podcasting platforms if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast please email us your story and what you would like to share uh grief dreams podcast at gmail.com so we obviously always love to end it with love and gratitude from us to you just close your eyes no need to worry about anything else relax your body just breathe in and breathe out I know you're scared, I am too, but we cannot choose how this goes. Go on, be free, use your angel wings to fly. Now that it's come to this, maybe it's part of a plan. How can I help ease the pain before it's overtake? Sleep.
Thank you, I love you. 